Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Flying Solo podcast. I do hope your week is going well, and I have a great guest for us today. Her name is Kelly Exeter. She's our wonderful editor at Flying Solo. And while it seems to me that she's doing that full-time, she actually does a whole lot more. She's a mother of two young children, the owner of Swish Design, a Perth-based branding and web design agency, the co-host of two podcasts, a speaker and presenter, and has just authored her third book, 20 Simple Shortcuts to Small Business. I happen to know she gets up at around 4 a.m., runs for an hour, writes for an hour, makes school lunches, and yet still squeezes in time to talk to people like me. Kelly, with a workload like yours, I I think I see why you're looking for shortcuts. So (laughs) good morning and thanks for joining us. Good morning, Robert. And yes, you're right. That is exactly why I look for shortcuts because, yeah, that's how I get things done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So look, you've got, I love your 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 book, uh, 20 Simple Shortcuts for Small Business. I think you've gone through some quite surprising shortcuts there, which um, I'm, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to kind of talk through a few with you. Um, you start off your book by talking or you give a sort of definition of a, I guess, of a successful small business. And you say it's one where both the business and its owners have the resilience needed to surmount all the challenges thrown their way. So is that is that very much how you look at uh, the success of your business? Yeah, it took, I mean, so we've been in business for 10 years now and it, it's taken a while to come to that definition because, you know, for many, well, for probably the first nine and a half years, yeah, I just assume that at some stage, you know, you work hard, that business is just going to become easy. Right. You know, you, you work really hard, you set you set your business up well, and at some stage you get to go and lie on the beach in Bahamas and just, you know, watch the money roll into your account while your business runs itself. Sure. <laughs> um, thank you, Tim Ferriss. Right. Uh, and um, what I have come to realize is there aren't too many people in the world doing that getting mm. to do that it's a very rare business that actually gets to be able to do that and that really business just throws up stuff all the yep. time and the business world is constantly evolving um and you the business owner you need to be able to deal with stuff and you need to be able to deal with it with kind of a smile on your face rather mm. than getting beaten down by the what feels like the constant challenges of you know you feel like you've just gotten over one thing and another thing crops up and and that is just the reality of business. So yep. yes. So when I'm looking to define small business, small business success, yeah, I've finally come to the conclusion that it's, yeah, it's not lying on the beach in the Bahamas somewhere. It's simply having the resilience to deal with the challenges and also, you know, take the business forward. It's, you don't want to just be coping. You want to be thriving. Sure. And look, and look I, I, I don't disagree with any of that, of course. And, and a characteristic resilience, clearly a very important one to have. But, um, but you're still enjoying your work. I mean, you can still, it, it, it's not to say that whilst work is hard, we can't have an awful lot of fun. Maybe we're not lying on, uh, you know, lying on our couches <laughs> on the beach. 
But um, you'd agree with that, I'm sure. Yeah, well, that's what I mean by thriving is that, you know, mm. when a challenge throws itself up rather than going, oh, my God, not, not another thing that I have to deal with. Like yeah. you can kind of approach it with a bit of a better energy than that and go, well, this is business life. We surmount this one like we surmounted the last one. But meanwhile, I'm still enjoying what I'm doing here. Yeah, okay, great. And look, and in the sort of intro to your book, you, you go through five key areas of, you know, breaking down this resilience or areas where – you have particular tips, and I know we'll, we'll kind of go through those. And those areas you have prioritizing health, knowing the numbers, increasing productivity, marketing, and developing this resilient mindset. So when you were sitting there planning writing this book, did those five kind of just jump out at you? Yes, 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 these are the five kind of pillars of business. Yeah, I originally wrote this um, this book, and I, I just want to quickly reiterate the title because you missed the keyword at the end, which oh, is dear. 20 Simple Shortcuts to Small Business Success. Right. Um, so I started kind of this series of posts on my um, – on the Swish Design blog as a, mm. as a challenge um, that I was doing with a, a mastermind group. And so I just wrote 20, the 20 posts and I, you know, because I just came wrote a big list of things that I thought contributed to small business success and this resilience we've spoken about. Um, and then when it came time to, I thought, oh, I really should turn those into a book. Mm. And when it came time to making them into the book, I, I didn't want to just like throw down 20 20 steps so I looked at like kind of the categories that they fell under and those five categories really emerged from from those 20 that I wrote yeah okay all right well why don't we in the time that we've got why don't we just pick a couple like your favorite couple of tips out of each of those five areas and then uh, you know, I might have a little chat and challenge you around some of those. So let's let's <laughs> let's start with health. So you number one, prioritizing health as a, as a means of building this resilience. So what are the, your sort of favorite two tips out of your ones in there? Yeah, uh, this is probably my favorite, not favorite favorite category because I think this is the health is kind of something that we tend to deprioritize when things get tough in business. Like yep. we, you know, we sacrifice first thing that goes out the window. Yeah, it yeah. really is. And I, I really strongly believe it's actually the thing that we should like most prioritize when things get a little bit rough because it really does underpin our ability to, you know, react in a positive manner and to have resilience and and to be healthy. Like we don't, mm. you know, I don't, I don't like this idea that running a business necessitates not having great health. So you know, my two favorite tips. So the first one is getting your nutrition right. And yep. again, it's something that people tend to ignore. And in the book, I kind of share eight tips around that. But kind of my two easiest, simplest getting nutrition right tips is, and they sound kind of a little bit, uh, really, is that it? Is, where's my silver bullet? But the first one is just having two big glasses of water first thing in the morning when you wake up. So what most of us do when we wake up in the morning is go straight for the coffee um, and it's not, you know, so we're already a bit dehydrated and then we're having coffee. So if you actually start your day with two big glasses of water, that those glasses of water wake you up better than any coffee ever will. But they also just kickstart your hydration for the day and kickstart your whole system. Um, and then the second kind of nutrition tip that I like is to always take a lunch break. And I find it interesting that people do like to tell me, I don't have time to take mm. lunch. Who's got time for lunch? And I'm like, you've got time for lunch. We've yep. all got time for it. It's, it's a 15-minute deal. We all have 15 minutes. And it's really important, first of all, to take a lunch break because otherwise you're getting to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
you're like, oh, I haven't had lunch yet. I'm starving. And you make bad food choices. And the bad food choices are not good for your health, but they're not good for your concentration and your productivity either. So. Yeah. Look, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with both of those. Like, what I loved about the um, – the tip about the water that you wrote is is saying uh, quite rightly that you know by having it early in the morning, um, often what can happen in our work is we just get kind of head down, bum up, and we just forget. You know, we know we've yep. read enough mm-hmm. books, we've heard enough times how important it is to drink water and to to keep hydrated. But as you say, do it in the morning. It's done. And I, l- I like the way that you sort of drink your water whilst you're checking your social media. You just kind of sip through it and you get through a couple of large glasses. And that's kind of that box, not necessarily ticked for the whole day for any nutritionist listening who would say that's not enough. <laughs> but, you know, it's a damn, you know, it, it's a big step in the right direction. And it means that if you are head down and you just kind of forget then you've done it and uh, so it's a great discipline to get into also this thing with your with with lunch uh, yeah as you say it's just that it's really that action of stepping away as well isn't it just getting Definitely. away from our desk and just doing something different and having having some lunch all right well look, that's a, crack, crack, a couple of crackers to start us off with so i'm going to take you over to moving sorry knowing the numbers yeah, so this is something. You know, I'm a creative person. I, I, my attitude to numbers is I just want to know the bottom line, you know, and that's all I care about. Wow. Um, you know, so when my mum, who was doing our accounting, would send like these ten-page, really detailed monthly reports, and I would just go straight to the bottom line and go, "Oh, okay, cool. That's where I want it to be. Thanks, mum." Right. And she would be a bit despairing. And I kind of, um, I heard on a podcast a little while ago, maybe about a year ago that you attract what you track. So if you don't track sales or if you don't track um, email subscribers, you know, how do you know? Like how do you Mm. tweak things if you don't actually know what's going on with those things? And so I did like a little experiment of tracking kind of two key, you know, metrics in our business. And it was amazing to me how quickly those metrics uh, jumped once I started paying attention to mm. them. Which were so, the two? What did you track? Uh, I tracked sales. Um, I had a book, a new book out at the time, so I was tracking book sales and yep. I was tracking um, email subscribers because we all know that our email list is kind of the golden thing we mm. all need to have. So, yeah, and what I noticed is that as soon as you start tracking something, you ju- you're just paying more attention to it and you just, without really um, having to be conscious about it, you just automatically start doing things to help those numbers along. Yep. And yeah, and so that's I think the key power of attracting, you know, of tracking numbers is you you don't even really have to be consciously attempting to do anything. You just naturally just do need the to stuff. Watch them. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the key thing there then obviously is knowing which of the numbers that are most yeah. important to your business. And then as you say, you just bring them to the top of the list and you follow them on a regular basis. And you found in that experiment that just by bringing your focus onto those two metrics that yeehaw things improved in that direction because obviously you were you know extra conscious of what was going on yeah. in, that, in that sense well hmm. you know your subconscious is working on when your subconscious is working something it's pretty powerful and it's amazing what it can do if you yeah if you pay attention to a, a certain thing so um and then the other uh, numbers thing which is a massive massive thing for our business certainly when we started doing it is to invoice smarter. 
So back in the day when I was, you know, when I was kind of that solopreneur type thing where it was just, mm. you know, me and a few staff and I was doing everything in the business. And so what we were doing, so we're a web and graphic design business. So we were invoicing at the end of the month, yep. which meant, you know, and then we had like, I think, I think we might have had. 30-day terms at the time as well, which meant if something, if a job finished at the start of a month, it was 30 days before we invoiced it. And then the client had another 30 days before they had to pay it. And if they actually, and so that was 60 days. Mm, and that's assuming with, they pay on time. And that's assuming they pay on time, which, mm. you know, most people don't unless they get a bit of a rev up. So, yeah, we have since really changed our invoicing yeah there's no reason to have 30 day terms anymore and i say that in the book um really seven day terms is the max and realistically you should be getting money as the job finishes if it's possible and for most people it is possible and it's funny because you know we had um i think we had a plumber come out the other day and he finished the job and i fully expected him to whip out some kind of credit card system to go yeah and you pay me now and he's like no well you know when I get back to the office, I'll get, you know, Jenny to send you an invoice. And, you know, it was like a week before he invoiced me. And, mm. he, you know, I paid straight away, but a lot of people wouldn't. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, he's done the work mm. and now he's waiting, you know, two weeks to get paid for it. Like, should not happen. And it's the waiting for that money that just smashes your cash flow. And every small business has cash flow problems. And the fastest way to cure cash flow problems, I can never say cash flow <laughs> problems probably. Um, it's a designer's problem. Way, yeah. The, the fastest way to cure cash flow problems is just to invoice as quickly as possible, have the smallest terms possible, and also chase up. Like if you mm. have to pay someone, so we have someone in our business who chases us. So as soon as an invoice is overdue, the next day she chases it. So you can imagine people just pay us because yeah. no one wants to get a call from it's It's uh, my husband's mum who does it and she's lovely. Right. Nobody, <laughs> nobody no one, wants, no one wants to get that, that call. call. Yeah. So they just pay. So I think it's the following up on unpaid invoices immediately is another really massive one. We all know the squeaky wheel gets against yeah, the sure. oil be the squeaky wheel yeah and look, and i think um i hope you'll agree that I, I do think that so in so many ways so much of that is getting easier for us as small businesses yes, definitely. You know, as you say you were surprised the plumber didn't pull out his uh, little kind of mobile payment uh, machine or his app and there is I, I think as it changes as people are finding that yes that does you know that does get pulled out straight away or people do say yes fine if you want to confirm that I'm going to start on your job, you know, I charge 50% up front and then the balance, you know, I think that's becoming more of the norm. But, you know, again, what you're saying there is just make it happen. You know, there's no reason to sort of delay on this kind of stuff because it's so it is it's so much more readily available to us as small businesses, some of the, um, the tools that we can use. Okay, so let's look at uh, increasing productivity. So I, I know productivity is, is one of your pet subjects. So I'm intrigued to see which of your, uh, which of the number of tips that you have here, which are going to be your your two favourites. Yeah, I did have eight to choose from, and I was like, oh, which one do I choose, or which mm. two do I choose? I think my favourite one is the getting up earlier one, and. It, and before kind of people like rev up and go, oh, I'm not getting up at four o'clock in the morning. Mm. Don't ask me to get up early. I'm not asking you to get up early. I'm asking you to get up early. So if you normally get up at seven, 
get up at 6.45. If you get up at 6.30, normally get up at 6.15. So what, so what why? I'm saying – So why? What's the benefit of that? Because that 15 minutes – like, so a lot of people I know, they – you know, they snooze, 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 then they roll out of bed and the, the, from the moment they roll out of bed, they are rush, rush, rush because they're like rushing to the shower and then rush and grab something, you know, grab a coffee and then they're rushing out the door and there's no – so the day is starting rushed and there's also no time in there for contingencies. So if they go to put on the pair of stockings and the stocking has a huge hole in it, like they do not have the ability to cope with that. If they <sighs> okay. drop their coffee on the floor as they're running out the door – they don't have the ability to, you know, clean it up. So what I love about just getting up 15 minutes earlier, and I've had people tell me that they've done this since reading the book and it's just mm. made a huge difference to them, is you're just starting the day in a little bit more of a chilled out fashion. So you, you know, 15 minutes is enough to stand in the kitchen with a coffee and, you know, scroll through Instagram or flick through the paper. And it then then when it gets to your normal starting time, starting the day, then you go and have your shower and, and you just feel more ready for the day. So mm. really, it's as little as 15 minutes can make a huge difference. Half an hour means you can have a proper breakfast and have a cup of coffee and enjoy it and chill out you know, before getting into the crazy of the yeah, day. Yeah, okay, I like So it's, it's basically a, a, you know, a, a little period of time to kind of remove the rush. Just really, to, it is. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. And it's just, um, I just, re- I firmly, firmly believe that how you leave the house each morning really dictates how your day is going to pan out. So the goal is to walk out your front door, not already on edge at mm. seven thirty in the morning, which is what I, I really see the vast majority of people doing. They're screaming at their kids, going, "Why haven't you got your shoes on yet?" And, why is you know, oh my gosh, I've got no ham to make the sandwiches and, and it's just like this crazy franticness. Whereas like if you walk out the door feeling quite quite on top of the day, I really feel that's how your you, rest of your day has the best chance of panning yeah, out. Okay. I think I'll get uh, I'll get my teenage son to listen to this segment. <laughs> okay. All right, now that's a great one. So what's your second productivity tip? Um, my second one is stop starting again, which like, so I think we all have this starting ritual when we sit down at our computers and it usually involves, you know, checking email and then, you know, up. so we've checked email and responded to emails and there's, you know, we spent 20 minutes there and then we think, oh, before my first, before I get going on my real work, I'm just going to check Facebook. Hmm. So you check Facebook for 10 minutes and then you finish that and then you come back and there's a couple of emails that have come back in. So you answer those and then next thing you know, 45 minutes has passed and you're like, oh, I need to go to the toilet. I'll go to the toilet and grab a cuppa and then I'll start my work. And then you come back to your desk and you sit down and you kind of go through that whole starting ritual again. And before you know it, it's like 11, 30, 12 o'clock and it's lunchtime. You're like, oh my gosh, I've not actually done, not done anything. anything. And, um, yeah, so that's what stops starting again is you get to do that starting ritual once and that's it. And I think it's um, we kind of floated this on a podcast a little while ago and people mm. were like, oh, my God, it's like once the behavior is highlighted to them, they can stop doing it. Yep. But it's just such a part of like how we do things. That so how, how, pointed out. how practically then do you, do you say to somebody, how do you stop starting again? Is it enough? to know the concept and to know the idea is is that it or is that yeah yeah it's just an awareness thing it's like once it's pointed out that this is what you're doing 
it's just that I usually find that's enough to stop people doing it. Certainly was enough for me to stop doing it. And the feedback that we've got since is, yeah, just people becoming aware of it was enough for them to yeah, go, okay. I like, oh, I'm about to do that thing again. And they stop. So the little voice in your head is, is shouting, Kelly, stop starting again. Yeah, you, you yeah do okay. not go to Facebook. Do not check your email. You're here to do work now. Mm. Very good. Okay, awesome. So marketing is your next one. I know marketing is something that you love. So again, you you have some terrific tips in here. Which are the two that you, you most enjoy? So the first one is to use storytelling in your in your marketing. And I think this is something that people struggle to wrap their heads around. But what it is, is that every time we purchase something, we are telling ourselves a story or we need to tell someone else our story, whether it's a superior or a partner or a friend, you know, justify it to a friend. Mm. Can so I just stop you there? When you're yep. buying something, you're telling yourself a story. What do you mean? Uh, it's a it's a justification. It's a purchase justification. Oh, I okay, need this okay. thing. I need because, this because, right, yeah, so, I will look great uh, in this. I will, all those things. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's our job when we're marketing our businesses to give people the words to use in to justify. So um, I use the example in the book of like, you know, this is going way back, like when, you know, my friends and I were students, we didn't have a lot of money, you know, it's just scratching between ourselves. And a friend of mine spent a hundred dollars on a pillow. And I was like a bit shocked because I was like, what? what are you, what are you talking about? You can get a pillow for like 20 bucks. Um, and she was like, no, well, a pillow is something I use every single night is crucial to my sleep. The price per use is tiny, even at $100, and it's worth spending the money, da-da-da-da. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And, you know, my friend didn't come up with that herself. No, and I love how that has has stuck with you for so long. Yes. So as you say, your friend didn't come up with that herself. No, wow. yeah, that's the salesperson going to her like, I know this is a lot of money. This is an investment that you're making in your health, <laughs> you know. And my friend's like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Mm. And she's able to like, so then when someone like me challenges her and goes, what what were you thinking? It is She has the story ready to go. So I think like, you know, it's very easy for us on our websites and stuff to go, you know, we're Swish Design and we're great designers and da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, that's not not helping anyone make a per, you know a purchasing decision. But when we say like we make life e- you know we make life easy for you because we will take care of this and this and this, then you know when someone has to go back to their CEO and go we're going to spend this much on a website and they go why it's because you know these guys gotcha. just take care of everything. We are they we don't have to think they they're going to do all the thinking for us. So. This is the stuff that we need to we need to give people the stories that they're going to tell when they're justifying their purchasing decision with us. Oh, that's a great point, and it's so true. You know, when you look at um, so many small business or any business websites, it's it's not something that uh, many of us are, are that kind of skilled at doing. We just we're, no. we're too busy telling everybody about the features of everything that we do, but we're not, as you say, we're not giving them the story. That's that's a lovely one. Yeah, and that's why people need to go into Flying Solo and look up all the great copywriters in our directory there mm. because there's people who are much more skilled at that than you know than the non-writers amongst us. And, yeah, they're the ones who will get the story out and, and rewrite your website for you because it's, it's really, really crucial, actually. We're not giving it enough enough credibility about how just how crucial it is. 
Um, yeah, and I think part of that as well goes back to your friend with the pillow is that whole notion of getting a copywriter. So many businesses think, well, now you know, I can write okay and my cousin's quite a good writer and and it's it's kind of it, it's you know, we both know as people that are around good writers all the time, you particularly are, and you are a good writer yourself, of course. Um, you know, you're very conscious of what can be done with good writing. But the actual process of writing as well about yourself, about your own business, very difficult for an awful lot of people. Not something that uh, that many of us do terribly well. No, that's right. And even me being a writer, I struggled to write the copy on our website myself and had to get in outside help. Mm. So, yeah, keep in mind it's not just because you're not necessarily a good writer, it's because um, when I say you, I don't mean you, Robert. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's okay. I mean the, I mean the listener. Yeah. Um, it's just that it is very difficult to write about yourself in that way and that's why it's always fantastic to bring in outside assistance with that and there's so many talented people out mm. there ready to help you so just make use of them it's an investment in your business <laughs> got you okay so creating stories great point what's your next one um so the next one is uh in the book i share 25 tips for mark you know for marketing your business in 10 minutes a day and what i find when it comes to marketing our businesses for many small business owners is that there's a big thing that they think they're going to do, like a big promotion or a big, um, you know, they're going to write a book or they're going to have a start a blog or something like that. And, of mm. course, these things don't happen because they they take a lot of time and they're like, I'll do that next Friday when I've got time. And then, of course, for next Friday rocks around and urgencies have taken over. So these things never get done. And my philosophy is so all marketing is essentially relationship building. And we can relationship build in 10 minutes a day. And while, um, and in the book, I actually, there's uh, an accountability kind of thing people can sign up for where they get an email, one per day, one working day each month, which is just a tiny little thing to do each month that adds up to something big. But it's funny because I can imagine people reading these things and going, this is such a tiny thing to do. What Mm. is this doing to help my business? But the fact is, is that, Many, many, you know, 10-minute marketing things, 10-minute or less marketing things over the course of a month add up to so much more than that big thing that you never get around to doing. So So, true. And and like I said, it's all relationship building and you can very easily do tiny little relationship building things every single day that, you know, in six months' time, gosh, you know, it's going to pan out so beautifully. So, yeah, there's just, um, a chapter in there that is those 25 little 10-minute mm. uh, um, so, actions each day. So let's just take one. Let's say you mentioned, you know, starting a blog. So starting a blog, you know, something or starting to write or however you want to kind of phrase it. What would be an example of a couple of little 10-minute steps that somebody who had that as their goal, you know, might might introduce? So I would break down like the writing of a blog post into a few different 10-minute actions. So the first 10-minute action is to simply sit down and list out the five most common questions your clients ask you. So like say we get uh, asked questions about SEO, we get asked how much did a logo cost, Um, you know, what's the value of branding. There's So list out, you know, we've all got questions in our business that we are answering all the time. So list out those questions. And then the next day, your 10-minute action might be to dot point three points to answer that question. Like, you know, just free write for 10 minutes. Like, imagine you're talking to the person. Just write out exactly what you would say if you were talking to Mm. them. And then from there, yeah. 
No, that's great, and I and it, you know I can see exactly by doing that that you are you're starting to kind of unpack this challenge as opposed to having on your action list write blog posts which just sits there and sits there and sits there and as you say keeps kind of getting overtaken by um, you know other business priorities. So no, those are those are great tips. Okay, so look, finally, I'm just losing my voice here for a second. Um, I'm going to move on to developing a resilient mindset. Yeah, so this is um, I'm. I just think mindset's so, so important in business and in life. And so I do list quite a few mindset things in the book. So mm-hmm. one of the ones, um, kind of my favorite, is to learn the art of asking. And it's really exciting to me that since the book's come out, like I've had people email me and either ask me for something because they're like, right. you said to do this, you said to ask. You and I'm like, oh, I'm so yeah, well, I'm stoked that you are. Um, or they've told me about some someone that they've asked and had a good result. Um, but, yeah, the art of asking is if you don't ask, you don't get. And we spend too much time trying to anticipate people's reactions or responses instead of actually testing that assumption and doing it. And what I say in the book is, you know, I've asked for so many things in my life, you know, so asked to speak at a conference or asked – um, you know, ask the client to be able to pitch to them. And I've, I can think of one occasion ever, and it was actually for this book. I asked someone if I could quote an idea of theirs in this book, and he just sent back an email that said no. Oh, right. <laughs> and, um, and that was literally the only flat-out no I have ever gotten in my whole history of asking. And when I, you know, the, what I'm saying is that when you ask, you you start a conversation. So even if the person goes no, which they seldom do, mm. and they usually say, "Well, not right now," or you know, "That's not something that's going to work for me." You know, it opens up um, questions of, "Well, if that doesn't work for you, how about this?" Or you know, so I talk about, I mentioned the how when I wanted to speak at the ProBlogger conference, like mm. I pitched to them several years in a row. And one year they said, look, we, we don't have room for that talk, but here's this panel discussion. Would you like to be part of that? And so, you know, I would never have been asked to speak on that panel discussion had I not asked sure. to say, you know, can I please speak at your conference? Like they would have never have known I was even interested in speaking. Yeah. So learning the art of asking is really really important for small yeah. business owners and i think it's you know it's you you said it there so nicely you know, it's just that if you if you don't know you know you know if you don't ask you don't get and by showing people that you're so interested and so keen to do those things that's absolutely why it works the way it did with problogger and interesting that uh, whoever that person was that said no um, <laughs> surely given you the gift of a great story from here on in it certainly has yeah. I do have him to think for that I to think to thank for that <laughs> so, so good okay so uh, what's your your second resilience tip so my step my final you know this kind of I finished the book on this one and it's to get comfortable with being uncomfortable hmm. which is again this is something I've had to learn over years because, I, like I said, I really, really felt that at some stage business life was just going to be cruisy and, you know, you know especially after 10 years now, you just assume that by now, you you know, if you, even if you're not lying on a beach in the Bahamas, things are, you know, they're just ticking along and barely need you in it. And the thing is the world is developing at such a fast pace. So, you know, that product that you've just been living large off for the last 10 years all of a sudden becomes redundant in a mm. week, you know. Yep. So, you know, talk to Kodak about cameras, you know. 
And we don't necessarily see these things coming. Sometimes we can and should, often we don't. And so the thing is, business life is always going to involve some element of discomfort. A client's going to be, you know, get narky at you for something out of the blue or a staff member's going to leave unexpectedly and you're going to have to deal with that. Or, you know, say last year, anyone who lives in Perth knows that Perth went into kind of, you know, a little bit of a depression at the end of mm. the year. Everyone, everyone stopped spending money and everyone's phones stopped ringing. And <laughs> that was, you know, it kind of came out of the blue and you just have to be able to go, right, this is a challenge. I'm pretty uncomfortable right now, but I know I can deal with it. And I think that that's a really crucial thing is to understand that it's a very rare business where you're just going to be, yeah, cruising along, enjoying and reaping the rewards um, without experiencing any comfort whatsoever. And I think the problem is most of us are waiting for that day where it's all comfortable and cruisy. And I think a lot of people get a little bit – a little disconcerted and I can't think of the word um, disconsolate that this day is not coming and it quite quite often it leads to them kind of to throwing things in and I'm saying don't throw things in mm. that's just business life it's just how it is and if we approach these challenges with energy and vigor and oh you know this is just what happens um, rather than oh I can't believe another thing is happening again that's going to make all the difference to the future success of your business. Look, such a great point to end on. And and it's like life, isn't it? It's that, that getting comfortable with uncomfortable. You know, some days it rains. Some days it's too hot. Yeah. Some days it's too cold. <laughs> it's kind of, we just, we, uh, you know, I, I think the way you've put it there is, is, is quite right, is we just have to accept that that's how some things roll and not to be bashed over or, you know, beaten down by it, but just say, okay, well, so that's changed. Now what's possible? now what's the new opportunity now where do I go you know it's so many of these things that happen um what comes with them is is opportunity new things yeah I think it's very easy when things are happening in business to kind of fall into that victim mindset of Mm. oh why do these things keep happening to me and the thing is they're not just happening to you they're happening to everyone um you know no one's business or business life or life in general is as bright and shiny as it seems on Mm. facebook or anywhere everyone's got their battles you've got your battles um you're not special Mm. (laughs) we do we do tend to think we're a little bit special and the things that are happening to us but we're not we're facing the same things everyone else is and once we once we kind of become comfortable with that and we understand that, like things really do get a lot easier. Yeah, terrific. Ironically. <laughs> Ironically. All right. Well, look, Kelly, thank you so much for uh, for spending time with us. So your book, 20 Simple Shortcuts to Small Business Success. Um, <laughs> and for people who'd like to uh, get a copy of that and find out more about you, the place to go is kellyexeter.com.au. And, of course, you can find her hanging out on Flying Solo, a good part of uh, pretty well every day. So, Kelly, it's been great to have you here, and thank you for sharing your time with us. Thanks so much for having me, Robert. All right, see you. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 